Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service. Good to see so many here in church today, and I hope there are lots of you looking in from home as well. I want to say welcome again back again to the Reverend David Irwin, Reverend Dr. David Irwin. David, as you recall, was with us two weeks ago, and he's back this morning. And David, we're delighted to see you back to lead our service today. Thank you for coming. And of course, with David is his wife, Maureen. Maureen, thank you too for coming back. You read beautifully to us last time, and I know you're going to read again this morning. So thank you. Now, the other announcements. Uh, there will be no Sunday Club next week because we are having an all-age service when everyone can come into church. So no Sunday Club next week, but Sunday Club starts this day fortnight and will continue as normal from that date onwards. Bible class, the same. Bible class is meeting this morning. None next week because of the all-age service. And then afterwards, Bible class will continue as normal. SISM. I've been making announcements about SISM, but I thought I would give you an update this morning. Registration, a week ago, number registered over 300. So for the week, the 9th to the 13th of August, there's going to be a lot of activity around church. And if you're coming down, please be aware that there'll be a lot of young people about and just take a wee bit of extra care. Men's breakfast is next Saturday, the 7th of August. It's in the Salty Dog from 10, which is 10 to 12 Seacliff Road. It starts at 8 o'clock. Gentlemen, I'd like to encourage all of you to come. Last one was great. We had a good bit of chat. This one will be equally good. We've got a guest speaker as well, Stephen Connolly, and please give your names to Bill Aiken so that we can make all the arrangements. Tomorrow, Jim and Kim will be in their spots as usual, so you know all the arrangements there. Now, I've got to say something about COVID. Uh, we received information from Church House. I received it just yesterday, and it's an update. You would have heard the government made some announcements last Monday, but we follow the guidance and direction of Church House. Guidance very simple. No change. It may change from the 1st of September, we're told, but at the minute, masks to be worn throughout the service as usual, two-meter distancing to be kept. There's a big, long letter here. There's a lot more in it than that, but those are the critical bits for our service. And now, a word or two about the barbecue. Those of you who are going to the barbecue today, these are your instructions. Uh, if you're attending, when you leave the church building, please go and take a seat at the table outside. This will help ensure social distancing. The maximum number of adults permitted at a table is six, plus any children who may be with you. More than six is permitted if you all belong to either a single household or support bubble, as long as it is not more than 10 plus children. Once seated, you will be told what happens next. I hope you enjoy your lunch. So I hope you got all that. Basically, when you go out, I presume you'll be directed to a seat, take your seat, and follow the instructions that you're given by all those who are involved in organizing the barbecue. And may I say a big thank you to them. They've been here from early on this morning, but I know lots of planning has gone into the barbecue before this morning. So a big thank you to everyone who's involved in organizing the barbecue today. And I hope the weather holds and we all have a very enjoyable time together. Those are the announcements. Now, David, it's my pleasure and again my privilege to invite you to later service. Thank you.
for the warm welcome you've given Maureen and myself. We're very glad to be back in Ballycrochan, and especially glad to be back on this particular occasion when you're going to be having, and we will be joining you at the barbecue. As Maureen and I drove in today and saw all the ribbon-colored balloons and beautifully set out tables on the lawn, the thought came to me, what better opening sentence could one have for a service of worship than that which was expressed by the psalmist long ago? This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So let us worship God and rise to sing our opening praise, Hear the Call of the Kingdom. Our prayers of thanksgiving, confession, and the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Jesus taught us to think of you in a simple way and to address you in our prayers in simple language. And so we thank you for moments like this when, with others who love you, we can focus attention upon what, in your fatherly provision and protection, 
you have done for us and for the gratitude we owe you. We thank you for our very life, for our faculties with which to be amazed by it and to enjoy it, for provision for our daily needs, for relationships that bring love and enrichment, for the big blessings in life that cause us to wonder and be thankful when we pause to think about them, and for the simple everyday things that are so much a part of us and that so often we take for granted. We thank you too, our Father, for an aspect of our lives that we also easily forget. That Jesus was sent to us by you to show us what our daily life could be like if it was lived according to your plan for it. And so for his teaching and example, his death and resurrection, to show us this new and better way to live, and to prove its truth and to promise us his presence and power as we live it, we express our deepest thanks. May we also use these rather less hurried days of summer to reflect not just then on the wonders of this season, but on all your fatherly provision for us on every level, all the year round, all the days of our life. Forgive us for taking any aspect of your care for granted. Forgive us for spoiling your creation in us and around us. Forgive us for being takers and users rather than givers and helpers. Forgive us for our complaining when we have so much. Forgive us, our Father, for our spoiltness in not recognizing what we already have and to overflowing and not seeing even the needs of others or we're still seeing but not helping. Forgive us individually, jointly, and as a community in this our island home and province for any spirit of bigotry, resentment, or lack of understanding that we harbor against others who worship, vote, or view things differently to ourselves. Instead, give us, we sincerely pray, in our attitudes, words, and actions, in our relationships with others, the very Spirit of Christ, of whom it was said in the divided systems of his day, he went about doing good. So it is in his name we pray, and using also the words of that prayer that he taught his first disciples to say together, and that binds us together today too. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We're going to rise to praise God again as we sing the hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Thank you. 
appreciate Maureen's help at this stage in the service, and she is going to come forward now and read our Scripture reading. of the devastating series of plagues that swept Egypt. So uh, we start with chapter Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priests of Midian, 
And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horab, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and his brother Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go. And also bless me. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Here endeth the lesson. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, Maureen, for the reading. Our prayers for others, let us share in them. Let us pray. In our prayers for others now, O God, and in the silence between each prayer thought, we remember those for whom these weeks and months are bringing added pressure. We pray amid the growing number of COVID cases and nursing and medical staff forced to isolate for the overburdened NHS and other key workers with them, and for those serving in residential and care homes, that they may all be given the strength, support, and encouragement they need and deserve in all their work. We pray for politicians that, guided by medical and scientific advisors, they may give clear and helpful messaging about necessary protection matters, and that the public will adhere to advice given. We pray for all still forced to shield, for those who feel isolated, fearful, and lonely, and all who are presently ill either at home or in hospital, and those particularly who have recently lost a loved one. May the thoughtful care of others and the inner strength you mediate, O God, be their support right now. We pray for those the world over, as we have witnessed on our television screens, who have lost life and livelihoods, not just in this COVID pandemic, but also in forest fires and fearful flooding in many places. May their suffering galvanize politicians and industrialists everywhere to accelerate the legislation and steps needed to decrease global warming and other destructive actions and activities to save our planet. We pray for the listening ear and wise leadership of those at executive and government levels who have to wrestle with those protocol and legacy issues, to name but two, that the path of integrity and justice may be followed for the smooth and peaceful outcome for so many. We pray for those whose work goes unnoticed and who are often at their busiest in these summer days. Those who transport the holidaying public on land, on sea, and in the air. Who serve in shops and supermarkets, hotels and B&Bs, campsites and restaurants, and in many leisure amenities. And those who have safety of another kind in mind, 
coast guards and beach patrols, lifeboat and helicopter crews, police and ambulance personnel, fire and rescue teams, that they may find fulfillment in the work that they do and be shown appreciation by all holidaymakers. We pray for all athletes at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, that they may be kept safe from the rising number of COVID cases in Japan, that they may continue to be the promoters of good relationships and peace between nations, leading the way for others to build on, and that through their various disciplines, the excitement of commentators and the skill of technicians that beam the games to screen spectators worldwide, the spirits of millions will be lifted in these difficult pandemic times. We pray for all students awaiting important examination or assessment results. Whatever the outcome, may their future path open out for them as smoothly as possible, and may they embark upon it in confidence, trusting in you, O God, to lead their way forward. And finally, we pray for this congregation of your people as they take the necessary steps in finding their next minister. And in the meantime, as they continue their ministry of outreach and support, as today's barbecue denotes, that their spirit of enjoyment and pulling together and Christian witness will be an example to this entire community and far beyond. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed our prayers for other people today. Amen. We rise to praise God as we sing again, To God be the glory, great things He hath done.
At the beginning of March, a year ago, just before COVID struck, Maureen and I flew to Egypt, to a land bathed in history for thousands of years, a land once vastly bigger than the Egypt of today, a land watered by the life-giving Nile and the breadbasket of the Mediterranean. It could boast of having in Alexandria the finest library in the ancient world, and from its centers of learning came some of the greatest astronomers, mathematicians, geographers, and philosophers of the day. With the diplomatic acumen, trading skills, and sometimes despotic power of a dynasty of pharaohs, navies sailed, armies marched, and people on the land were worked hard. To those rulers' orders and detailed specification, amazing to us even to this day, architects and builders created the mighty pyramids that were classed amongst the seven wonders of the ancient world. And at length, under the rule and allure of Cleopatra, perhaps the greatest and best-known queen, Egypt reached its zenith, attracting the attention of the emperors of Rome, the superpower of the day. As our small ship glided quietly down the mighty river, the longest in the world, past rural villages and tiny plots that seemed lost in time, to tiny little villages on either bank, and to the guides in towns and temples and tombs that are brought to the world romantic names like Luxor, the Valley of the Kings, Ramses, and Tutankhamun, my mind and eyes were fixed on the river banks and the tall, thick reeds that were growing there. And I was back to my school days, to my Sunday school, and to my favorite Old Testament character still, Moses to the stories of how his mother, fearful of his little boy being killed by the Egyptians because of the increasing number and power of the slave population in Egypt, those Hebrews of which they were worried, his mother had him in a watertight basket concealed amongst those reeds by the river bank of how his sister Miriam was ordered to wait and watch for someone of worth who might give him a safer and better life, and of how either by chance or very clever planning that someone was the Pharaoh's daughter accustomed to washing at that very place, and of how then at Miriam's intervention and suggestion that an ideal Hebrew nursemaid could be found to help with his rearing and Moses' mother enters the frame again. So Moses, if not born with a silver spoon in his mouth, was certainly brought up with one. His education, his physical well-being, and his social skills were all such as would befit the son of a pharaoh's daughter in the royal court in Egypt a real rags-to-riches story. And all the while, in the secret and under the tutelage of his mother, Moses was being schooled in his family's Hebrew faith and in the strong belief of one sovereign guiding God. 
And God bless mothers and fathers today who in this materialistic age are doing the same for their children. But then, the scene changes. In a fit of righteous anger, Moses murders an Egyptian taskmaster, berating a fellow Hebrew member. And he murders that man and flees into the desert for safety. In time, Moses marries a Hebrew lass, and he minds the sheep of his father-in-law. And now with space in that nomadic lifestyle to think, with skills learned in the royal court and lessons taught him by his mother, coming increasingly to the fore, and sensing God's presence as never before as he wrestled in front of a bush that appeared to be burning in the golden-red setting sun. A leader, a man's man, was being born, called, and gifted. And what inspires me most about Moses for today is that he too was involved in a pandemic, a lockdown, and an exodus. Lessons that hold good for us today. The plagues, all ten of them that followed hard one upon another and that scoured all Egypt, bringing death, depression, and business destruction. Moses experienced it all as he negotiated with the Pharaoh, was every bit as much a pandemic as anything we could experience today, because for most Egyptians, their huge country, with such diversity, was the only world they knew. And disease was rampant. It was everywhere. And people were dying like flies. A lockdown was imposed. With Formosus' people, the added protective instruction, not special gear, but a sign on their door frames, as to mark who lived inside, a Hebrew family. And then came Moses' strategy for leading them out of it, out of the pandemic, out of isolation, out of their slavery lockdown for 400 years in that country, an exodus strategy from Egypt altogether. The crossing of the Red Sea just ahead of the might of the pursuing Egyptian army was a tactic learned from his desert years. A Mont Saint-Michel place, where one minute the land was dry and hard, the next an incoming tidal wave, faster than a galloping horse, consuming all in its path. And the miracle was that the place and the timing was so perfect. When, however, those Hebrew peoples initially trust in God and in obedience to the guidelines were replaced by grumbling and disobedience, some preferring to go back to the living of lifestyle as in the past, does it resonate a bell? Moses would have none of it and presented them with what he believed were God's rules for life. Not just for then, but for their own and others' good 
for the future. They were in it for the long haul. The numeral 40 in the Bible, whether applied to years or days, means quite literally in the original tongue, a long, long time. And those rules, not guidelines, call for three broad areas of compliance. Personal integrity in the living of one's life. Respect and helpfulness towards all others, no matter who they were. And first and foremost, honoring God before all else. They're called the Ten Commandments. And every believer was expected to sign up to them. And they are a recalling to us too of our better self. 2020 will go down as the year when one dreaded word Brexit was replaced by another, coronavirus, though the former in the Northern Ireland Protocol is reaching its place again. The philosopher Albert Camus once remarked, at a time of plague, what is life for? In answer, surely it's a call to people individually and collectively to examine their priorities, to ask what can I and what can we do for the greater good of all? And from the action taken can come results of happiness and hope. Some examples. 2020 was to have been the once-in-a-decade year when the passion play in Oberammergau was to have been staged. The reminder of how those Bavarian villagers in the path of the bubonic plague that swept Egypt, first in joint action, closed their village to anyone coming or going. And then in thanksgiving, when the crisis has passed, staged every tenth year since 1630s, an uplifting gift to the world, the spiritually challenging account of Christ's last week on earth before his crucifixion and resurrection. As plagues swept through England in Shakespeare's day, closing theaters, killing actors, and even claiming the life of his own son, that great playwright turned his attention from the black mood of murder and madness in writing in one despondent year both Macbeth and the Tempest, turned to the love of poetry, and so released to the world his thoughtful and uplifting sonnets. And demonstrating how the right attitude can change things for everyone's good as well, Michael Portillo, in his television series, Great Continental Rail Journeys, tells in his Stockholm to the Arctic leg that arising out of the plague of Spanish flu in 1918 that claimed the lives of 50 million in Europe, more than the Great War altogether, can you imagine it? 50 million out of it. The National Health Service in Sweden was born. Why? 
because work and hope for a brighter future was generated. Moses undoubtedly encouraged his nation to put their trust in God. But it was his firm belief, too, that in large measure, God helps those who help themselves and others in need. How often have we heard it said that we don't fully appreciate what we have until it's taken away? Be it health, a person, a normal routine, a cherished possession. And never has this been truer since COVID-19 robbed us of those freedoms to do things and be with people and traveled as we pleased. For the many, the loss has been and still is incalculable in terms of health, in terms of bereavement, of work, of education. Now that life is once again gradually opening up around us, we face, however, another danger. The danger of forgetting lessons learned in lockdown, of the realization then of where our priorities should really lie, of forgetting the self-giving example of NHS staff and people in communities caring for others in the most amazing ways, and of forgetting on the very verge of new beginnings to see this as the appropriate opportunity to reflect and perhaps readjust or reshape our priorities now for the future. Moses, you'll remember, could only lead his people, and often a grumbling and self-centered people at that, so far, to within sight, no further, of that promised land of fresh beginnings. But in that moment of things opening up for them, he was afraid that they too would forget what under his firm but caring leadership he had taught them during his lifetime of crisis. God first, others second, and self last. Lessons that should not be lost on us either. In so saying, I am reminded of another little boy who, like Moses, took his first faltering steps in Egypt as well, but as a refugee, who exemplified in his life as a great leader, some of the most important of life's lessons and what new beginnings were all about, who in fact gave his life for the truths he taught for people's overall well-being, physical, mental, and spiritual. At this very moment in time, we could do no better than reflect if need be or readjust to his wise counsel. Alive and well, he's still an encouraging inner force for those who want his guidance on life's journey and ask for it. And his name, if you've not already guessed it, is quite simply Jesus Christ.
Let us pray. With our lives so often taken up with our own interests, O God, we sometimes need some life experience that suddenly, out of the blue, confronts us and gives us a jolt to prompt us to think of those priorities in life that really matter. Help us to be attuned for such moments, however they may come. And when they do, in addition to asking for your help daily, to be humble and wise enough to give your guiding spirit full reign for our own and others' good. Amen. An appropriate closing item of praise, guide me, O thou great Redeemer, pilgrim through this barren land. As we leave this place, O God, we thank you for our being together, and we ask for your blessing upon the food that will now be served and those who will bring it to us, and all as we serve other people through this project in lands afar. May your blessing be upon our gathering and upon all those that we remember 
on this occasion. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you and all who are dear to you this day and forevermore. Amen.